Welcome to Retina Health for Life from the President's Corner, brought to you by the American Society of Retina Specialists. I'm your host, Dr. Tim Murray, coming to you from Miami. On each episode, we'll bring you inspiring conversations about your sight and the special role the retina plays in making healthy vision possible. We'll hear from expert retina specialists, as well as directly from patients about living life to the fullest with retinal disease. Join us and learn how to safeguard your retina health for life. On this episode, I'm thrilled to introduce and welcome my friend, Dr. Nina Barakal, a retina specialist who is a professor of ophthalmology at the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute at the University of Miami. Today, Dr. Barakal and I are going to share with you our focus on what is a retina specialist and some of the signs and symptoms of retinal disease. Welcome, Dr. Barakal. Thank you, Tim. So, so Nina, why don't you take us through a little bit of your training to give us an idea of what is the standard training for someone to become a retina specialist in the United States? Well, um, that's a, a lot of years, but I'll, I'll take you through it. So after um, high school, you do your four years of college. After your four years of college, you do four years of medical school. After that, you do your internship, three years of residency, and that's where you focus in your specialty for us is ophthalmology. And for retina, we do two more years after your residency. So I think if we keep going, if, you know, if high school is year 12, we finish at year 26. So essentially, most of us are joining our profession after our training and, and we're in our early 30s. Is that correct? That is correct. So Nina, what distinguishes a retina specialist from a comprehensive ophthalmologist or a comprehensive optometrist? Well, I think it's the extra training that we do. You know, when you finish um, optometry school, you are just training everything, a little bit of everything. When you finish comprehensive ophthalmology, you can do basic things in ophthalmology. But when you are a retina specialist, you have dedicated two years of your career to only doing surgery and only doing clinics in retina. So you are very subspecialized. So I think many people don't understand the difference within our field of what a retina specialist is. And do you think it's important that, that we kind of allow our, our patients and, and the members of, of our society to understand what we do? And why do you think that is important? Well, I, I think that's, that's of utmost importance because, you know, when, when we have patients that have been managed many times by, by a general optometrist or a general ophthalmologist, you know, and it's something in the retina that's so um, unique or so different, you want somebody who really understands that, who spends most of the day thinking about that one problem. And I think you can only get that with subspecialty training. The same thing as if you had a heart problem and within the heart you had a valve problem, you wanna be sure that you're taken care of by the doctor who specializes in that valve. The other thing I think is important, um, Nina, is to focus on sort of what the major diseases are. So. You know, we, we focus really on the aging diseases such as age-related macular degeneration or even on more common diseases for us like diabetic disease of the eye or diabetic retinopathy. 
the ASRS did a survey, and I was surprised to find out that of the surveyed individuals, 40% of Americans, 40 and older, really couldn't identify the most common symptom of macular degeneration. So can you, can you tell us what that symptom would be for your patients and how they would, how they would know that was occurring? Sure. I, I think the, the most common symptom is either a gray spot as they're reading or some distortion to the fine letters, you know, the, to the fine details of your, of your reading. So the most common thing is that you have a patient that calls you and says, you know, when I was reading, I got lost, you know, I was reading. And then I, when I went back to the beginning of the second sentence, I got lost or the letters are a little bit distorted or they're a little bit gray. So they're missing letters in their reading. You know, one of the things I think is interesting too, Nina, is that we're, we're blessed with sort of a, a great visual system. And when one eye doesn't function well, the other eye really steps up. So it's been very common for me in practice to have patients not realize that they have lost vision in one eye, even until they've had their exam, because their other eye has stepped up. Do you, do you see that in your practice also? Oh my God. And that, that's honestly the most common thing you see in children is that, you know, you have two eyes, so kids take over with the other eye. So one of the most important things that you want to teach patients, no matter how old they are, is to cover one eye and cover the other so they know exactly where that problem is coming from. That problem of the blurred central vision, which we, we call metamorphopsia, that's really a concerning problem for the retina specialist. You know, what are, what are some other symptoms that may be um, suggestive of a retinal problem, such as um, a bleed in the eye or a tear in the retina? Well, I think bleed, you have to think that you have blood that has been, um, that is inside your eye floating from maybe a tear in your retina or diabetes can give you a hemorrhage inside your eye. And you're going to be seeing the red blood cells that are floating inside your eye as shadows. So suddenly you see lots of little black spots that are blurring your vision. They're blurring your vision all the time. It's not really going away. And it's very scary. It's a scary um, blurriness of vision. So those floaters, you know, as we get older, I think we all see floaters. So that's really not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about a sudden sort of mass of new floaters in the eye that you've never seen before. And does that sometime occur with the loss of the side or the central vision? Oh, yes. And of course, because, you know, it's floating, you have to think that your eye is a little sphere. And I always tell my patients that it's like a, those little things with the snow that you shake and the snow goes all over the place. So imagine that inside your eye, but tons of it and not layering down, just floating all over the place. So that blares your vision and it's scary. And with the floaters, are there any other signs that are really important for patients to recognize that may make those floaters much more worrisome? Oh, sure. If you have the floaters and that comes accompanied with any grayness of your vision in, in, the, in the sides or any blackness to, within that, so you lose the perception of light in that eye, that, that should be an emergency and you should be in an eye emergency room as soon as you can. So some of my patients will describe flashes in their eyes that we call photopsias. When they see flashes, what does that usually mean? When they see flashes, and it's very common, it just means that the jelly that fills your eye inside, which is called the vitreous jelly, is starting to separate from your retina. The jelly is made out of collagen. As like we all get older, we lose collagen of the skin. It's the same kind of thing inside your eye. 
So that means that the vitreous is changing and it's tugging on the retina. So when it tugs, there's an emission of light and that's the flash that you see at that time. So it seems to me we've said four big symptoms for everyone to look for. One is the blurring of your central vision, often just in one eye. One is a sudden increase in the floaters in your eye in a way that you've never seen them before. Another is these kind of flashes, like a lightning flash. And the other is that you may lose the side vision. So are those, do you think, sort of the big four for retina patients to be aware of and to pay attention to? Definitely. So, so now that we kind of know what to look for and we've kind of have an idea of how that goes, what happens during a, a retinal specialty exam that may be different from other doctors? So can you take us through what your exam is like in your office? Sure. You know, you first come and you get seen by the technician who's going to check your vision, the pressure inside your eye, and it's going to put dilating drops to be sure that your pupil dilates. So by the time you come and see the retina specialist, your pupils are dilated and we can take a look inside. Many times we do some tests before or after we see you that help us understand your retina problem a little bit better. But then you go into the room and with the headlight that comes from the head, there's a light source and we use a lens that helps us um, direct that light to the areas of the retina that we care about. Then we can see your retina and we can tell you what the problem is. So it's always been fun to me with, with a retina specialty um, focus that, that we're actually able to look in the patient's eye and essentially immediately make their diagnosis. So that's been one of the passions for me in this field. We, we don't really have to send our patients often out of the office. They're gonna get their photographs of their eye and the, the microscopic OCT analysis and maybe ultrasound testing. But really when you look at them, during the dilated exam with the indirect ophthalmoscope, that's probably the most important part of our exam. Would you, would you agree? Oh, correct. And, and the other thing that, that patients don't, don't realize is that when they come to see us, we order all the tests that they need in that same visit. So many times, you know, you go to your primary care and then they bring you back to do the MRI or they send you to some other doctor. You know, we do everything the same day most of the time if the insurance allows that. And in one day you get a diagnosis and you can probably get the treatment the same day. I think a lot of our patients don't necessarily like the dilated exam that enlarges their pupil to allow us to see in. But wouldn't you agree that's probably the most critical part of our exam? Oh, definitely. And there's nothing more frustrating than when you have the patient that wants to see you but doesn't want to get dilated or they want one eye dilated and not the other. If you spend all the time to come to a retina specialist, you want them to look at your eyes. You want to be dilated in both eyes. It's kind of funny. I mean, I often will tell a patient that if I can't dilate them, then I really can't examine them and, and it's really not worth their having a, an exam. So, so much of our exam is focused on the retina and we have to have that, that pupil open for us to get a good view. So in your practice, you, you specialize in children, but for most retina specialists, a lot of our patients present with some of those most common diseases. And age-related macular degeneration, what I think is interesting is that, that we've had great steps in being able to diagnose and treat age-related macular degeneration. It affects about 11 million Americans, and it is the leading cause of vision loss for people that are over the age of 40. 
So Nina, what, what, what do you think has really changed the field for our patients with age-related macular degeneration? What's the number one test and the number one treatment that you think has really changed that field? I, I think for me that's easy. And one is something called OCT, optical coherence tomography, which gives us almost like a histologic or pathologic slice of the retina. And that has really revolutionized the way we look at the retina. And the second thing is anti-VEGF treatment, which is um, injections in the eye to control the bleeding from macular degeneration. And honestly, that has changed it completely. I remember when I started in residency that macular degeneration patients would bleed and we had nothing to offer them. And now that has changed dramatically. We can maintain really good vision in those patients with injections. Now, the only caveat is that injections, we have to do them regularly, many times once a month for the rest of their lives. So it's a big toll, but it's a big toll to maintain vision that's going to keep you seeing for the rest of your life. Well, you know, I'm a little older than you, and, and Nina, I remember when I started and, and we didn't have these treatments, and you would see patients develop from dry to wet macular degeneration, and they would literally go blind with no way to prevent that. So I really think that, you know, the ability to look in the eye with the OCT and to see the disease, and then to be able to target the treatment with a specific, you know, injectable has, has I mean, it's the single most amazing thing that I think has occurred, you know, in the field of medical retina. So in some way, Nina, the other cause of vision loss for our working age Americans tends to be diabetic retinopathy. It's amazing to me that some of the same testing and some of the same treatments can work for two very, very different diseases. So for diabetic disease, what's the most common cause of vision loss for our younger diabetics that are working age? I think um, you, you have a combination. You can have either hemorrhage inside the eye or swelling of the center of the eye. So macular edema, swelling of the macula, or bleeding inside the eye from, from years of diabetes. So, and again, it's that same exam, the OCT, but the most critical part of that exam may be the dilated exam with the dilated pupil in the indirect ophthalmoscope. So much of diabetic disease is not always in the center of the eye, and you need a complete examination of the periphery. So I think that's been, been something that's really changed also. We, we used to use laser treatments to kind of cauterize the retina and to stop the leakage and the bleeding, but often when we did that, the patients would lose some of their side vision and sometimes even some of their central vision. So we've gone to that same treatment with anti-VEGF. Has that been your experience that we've done remarkably well with diabetic disease also? Oh my God, definitely true. I mean, now that we have injections, instead of um, laser, you know, it, it's been an amazing change. Granted, we still use laser, and for some patients, laser is still the right treatment, but now we have, you know, anti-VEGF, the same injections that we use for macular degeneration, we use it for diabetic disease, and it has made a huge difference. Well, Nina, one of the reasons I think that reaching out to our patients with this kind of educational approach is in that same survey, 42% of the surveyed patients, of the surveyed individuals, didn't think there had been any advances in treatment that would prevent blindness 
over the last 20 years. And I think the last 20 years have been the most remarkable 20 years in our field um, in, in its entirety. Do, do you feel that way also? I got, I, I totally agree, not only in medical retina, but in surgical retina. I mean, I mean, let's just imagine, I mean, we're doing gene therapy, which is remarkable. Right. So, you know, this, we've, we've seen one of our American Society of Retina Specialist members develop the vision chip where there's an artificial vision chip. We've seen our members develop new types of injectable therapies and new surgical technologies. One of the fun things I think for you and I, Nina, we're both in scrubs because we both came from the OR today. And thank you for taking the time from the OR to, to talk with us today. But I think we, you and I have both seen those same remarkable advances in the operating room that now allow us to do things that took four or five or six hours, often in a much shorter period of time, in a much safer fashion for our patients. And the results, I think, are, are spectacular. Can you pick what you think is the three surgical procedures that have really shown the greatest advance? I think that vitrectomy in itself, the small gauge instruments that we have, I mean, they're so small that you can actually have stitchless surgery in the eye and the next day look like you never had surgery. I think having the OCT, the same thing that we do in clinic, doing it in the moment that we're peeling membranes that we're inside your eye, we can actually do the same test and see it in those tiny, tiny little levels. That's amazing to me. I think the way we are doing surgery, the viewing systems that we're using for surgery, it's like nothing we've ever done before. It's, it's like amazing. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got these 3D viewing systems where we can operate with everyone in the room able to see exactly what we're doing in, in wearing three-dimensional goggles and, and technology. I think that's been spectacular. You know, for me in the OR today, we did two patients that had melanoma tumors, and we were able to treat them with surgery without having to remove their eye and without having to expose them to radiation. And I think, you know, we're seeing that kind of advance in virtually all of our fields. And then I did one of the surgeries that I think is, is one of your and my favorite. I did a young woman with a macular hole and you know she was legally blind and we're almost certain that she'll get back driving or reading vision in that eye after surgical repair. That, that wasn't possible when I was, was first starting in my career. Well, and, and Tim, if you go furthermore, I mean, how long did it use to do surgery? We were in surgery for four hours. Now we, we rarely spend more than an hour in, in retinal surgery. That to me in itself speaks, you know, immensely for how long, we, how far we've come. Right. Well, the new cutting technologies and the new viewing systems and, and the ability to see where we're operating in ways that we were never able to see before. Um, I think it's a remarkable time for our field. And, and it kind of surprised me that so many um, Americans didn't appreciate how big those advances were. In, in the ability to save their vision. And I think part of that is not understanding, you know, again, what's a retina specialist and, and how do they play a role in your life? So what do you think we should recommend for, for patients in terms of general screening exams? So we're not thinking that you would want to be screened by a retina specialist, is that true? That is correct. And what kind of exam then would you, what should we expect? What is the one thing our patients need to know that they need to ask for and be certain that has happened during their exam? 
Well, you, you want them to have a dilated exam. Many times I have patients that have been seen, you know, they tell me, oh, I've been going to the ophthalmologist or the optometrist. And I go, well, have they ever dilated you? Have they ever seen the freckle that you have in the eye? And they cannot recall a dilated exam. That to me is, is amazing that, that somebody wouldn't know that you need to be dilated to have a complete eye exam. Well, I think one of the best take-home messages for, for those of our patients and future patients is that dilated exam. And, and once you've had a dilated exam, you never kind of forget it because that light is bright and intense, but it really is the light that lets us see every part of your eye. And then if there is an abnormality that affects the retina or the central part of the retina called the macula, it's not unreasonable at that point to ask to see a retina specialist. So, so Nina, how does, how does somebody that's not in the medical profession, how do they find a retina specialist? Well, you can always ask your doctor to refer you, but if not, you can always go online. You know, we're now in this, you know, online world at all times on our phones and the American Society of Retina Specialists has a site where you can go in and look for retina specialists in your area. ASRS.org and then there's a find your retina specialist. And I think it's good because you can type in your city or your state or a doctor's name. And what I also think is good is that, you know, you, you really want to know you're seeing somebody that's competent. So lots of people may say they're a retina specialist, but then in the field of ophthalmology, because of the way that the training goes, to know that you're seeing a retina specialist, one of the, the really best ways to do that is to make sure that that person is a member of the American Society of Retina Specialists. And virtually every retina specialist in the United States is a member. Um, and, and I think that gives you some confidence that they've had specific training beyond their residency in retina. That gives them competency in medical and surgical um, retina and usually is, is a great starting point for you. You know, if you had to, to say the thing that you think may be the biggest impact going forward in, in the field of retina for, for our patient's vision, what do you think that would be? I have to say that I think OCT, optical coherence tomography, is the single most um, important test that we have in retina nowadays. I think you're a little modest too. So, you know, I think um, Dr. Barakal is one of the leading experts in pediatric gene therapy. And it amazes me that really the first commercially successful gene therapy was actually delivered via eye surgery. Correct. And you've done um, some of these cases and, and you lecture and teach. And one of the things that's, that I think is important to understand is a big part of what we do in the ASRS is not only to reach out to our patients, but we also educate each and every one of our retina specialty members. And you've been a leading advocate of gene therapy. So really appreciate how well you, you are leading that, um, that focus going forward. I think that gene therapy is incredibly exciting. Even though really there's one disease now, I, I think that we're gonna look at alternatives to allow patients to see from blinding conditions that they really had no opportunity to see before. And I think that, you know, gene therapy is going to change everything because, you know, there are many trials going on right now, not only for inherited retinal disorders that we can impact the life of a child, you know, from knowing that they were going to go blind, from suddenly changing the course of their disease and having sight 
for a very long time and maybe forever, but we're also doing gene therapy for macular degeneration and that, those trials are very exciting. And then, you know, you deal with some of the most vulnerable patients that are, are very small, premature pediatric patients. And to me, that's also an area where we've had the greatest advances is preventing blindness in these very early premature infants. That, that's been a remarkable journey and you've played a big part in that. So where do you think we'll go with that? Well, I think that, you know, there should be no blindness in the world from retinopathy of prematurity, you know, so we should be able to eradicate blindness um, like we have, honestly, in the United States. I think that what we do in this country with retinopathy of prematurity is remarkable. We just need to have that being translated to, to the rest of the world. And for our patients and in, in our, in our listeners and viewers, we're hoping that we've given you a little introduction into what is a retina specialist, what are some of the most common vision-threatening retinal diseases, what's a retina specialty examination with your doctor look like, and what are some of the remarkable new treatments. So with all of that, I'd like to thank Dr. Nina Berkoff for joining us from the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute. And remember for all of you that you can join us online at asrs.org. Um, slash patients for our patient education. So I'd like to thank you all for listening to this episode of Retinal Health for Life from the President's Corner, brought to you by the American Society of Retina Specialists. Thank you, Dr. Barakal. Thank you, Tim. And remember to look for us. Find your retina specialist at asrs.org. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.